Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois to Jesus Christ, the sound you're hearing, the haunting melody, is the Byzantine Lenten prayer called, Now Do I Go to the Cross. Typical in its character, in its posture, its attitude, its tone, of this great time of the Great Fast. And as we call this season of Lent in the Eastern Church, the time of the Great Fast, the bright sadness. And always there's this deep, mournful sound of our chants, the long sort of plodding, deep, brooding kind of sound of our chant and of our services, contrasted oftentimes with a sound of joy, sort of a faint echo of the hope that is the goal of all of our fasting and of our penance and of our sadness. And that's why we call this the bright sadness. As always in the Eastern Church, we like to hold two opposite ideas together, kind of a living in a tension of paradox. We love that. This particular piece was sung by the St. Nicholas Byzantine Catholic Parish Choir of Barberton, Ohio, which is just a little bit south of Cleveland, the Cleveland area, near the Akron-Barberton area. St. Nicholas Byzantine Catholic Parish of Barberton, Ohio, and it's from a CD called This is the Day, Seasonal Chants of the Eastern Christian Church. This time of Lent is also a time in which we immerse ourselves into a deeper charity, and I, I have a sense out of that, out of that spirit of charity, to acknowledge certain people, certain listeners, and also because I've run into a number of you recently, and I have to admit it has really touched my heart, which is the point of Lent, the ultimate goal is to touch our hearts, to touch the heart of God, let Him touch our hearts, and to touch each other's hearts, to go deep into our hearts to discover what needs to be cleaned up, as it were, you know, our sinfulness. At the same time, to rediscover, therefore, then, our true selves, the sort of the Adam and Eve before the fall, that echo that still lies within us. But in going to the heart and in being charitable, I'd like to acknowledge certain people who have come up to me and touched my heart by telling me how much they enjoy our program. 
And I've met people from all over recently, and it was amazing who, who is out there listening to our program. And for all of you who are listening to it, I want to thank you, really, from the depth of my repentant Lenten heart, all of us here at Light of the East, for listening to us. And for those of you who have offered your generous donations to us, especially I want to say hello to, of course, our always consistent supporter, William Radovich from Illinois, and also Joan Larson, and also a special listener. His name is Jack Liu, and he is out in California. So greetings to you, Jack. And also from our friends who I ran into recently at the Bishop Sheen Conference, the Bishop Sheen exhibit that our eparchy hosted, our, our friends from St. Nicholas Byzantine Catholic Church in Barberton, Ohio, whose choir you just heard in this previous chant as we opened the program today. So thank you to all of you, and a greetings to all of you, and hopefully you're having a, a beautiful Lent. I also want to acknowledge a recent donation from Sonia, who is from Orinda, California. Always great to hear from people from California. Thank you, Sonia. We did receive your donation. I want to thank you for that. And above all, thank you for listening. So thanks to Sonia from Orinda, California. This time of Lent is a time in which we immerse ourselves deeply into our acknowledgement of our sinfulness. In other words, we kind of go back to the beginning. We look at what we were intended to be from the beginning, what happened to us. We look real closely at what happened to us but also with the eye of what will become of us, in other words, our destiny. One of the things we look at is the human person. We look deeply and honestly at the human person. And as you know, in our program, we present the riches of the Eastern churches in complement to the riches of the West. And one of the things that's helpful to understand during this time of year is the differences in the East and West in their approaches to repentance based on their difference in their approaches to how they see the human person. Now, it's not drastically different, of course, but there's always a difference in perspective or emphasis, and it accounts for all of our customs, our rituals, our traditions, our theology, as it were, our expressions. It all starts from our concept of God and our concept of the human person and what happened to the human person, such as the origins, the innocence in the Garden of Eden, and also the eventual fall, and then the redemption of the human person through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what will become of the human person? What is our ultimate destiny? And many of the practices in the East that are Lenten practices that might be a little bit different or have a different emphasis in the West grow out of, as I mentioned, this sort of theological anthropology. In other words, it's a big word, but it means how we actually see the human person and even the fall, that original sin, as it were. In the West, the approach to the human person has to do with a kind of, I'm going to call it a kind of a positive or an additive approach. In other words, grace kind of builds upon nature. Grace is kind of added to nature as we open ourselves to God and as we perform good works and as we strive to learn about God. There's a kind of a, I guess I'm describing it kind of simplistically, but for the sake of our discussion, a kind of a additive dimension in the Western approach. The Western approach has an anthropology that's very, in a sense, based on a kind of a moral anthropology. In other words, we sort of gain merit as we grow more and more in holiness, become more and more human, and we gain graces, as it were. The graces kind of build on us. So it kind of is like something that comes a little bit from the outside and sort of adds on to us as we grow and strive towards that image and likeness of God. This is why there's a lot of emphasis on things like merit or meritorious grace in the West. In the East, there's a little bit different emphasis. In the East, the emphasis is that the human person in the image and likeness of God is, in fact, 
natural to what it is to be human. In other words, grace and the human person, human nature, in a sense, is almost like one and the same. It's not something that we gain or is added onto, but it's something that was always, in a sense, there, sort of intrinsic to our nature. But that kind of got covered over, kind of corrupted and diluted, as it were, with the coming of original sin. And what life becomes then is this sort of ongoing growth into basically the rediscovery of our true selves. In other words, it's almost like a journey inward back to our deep and authentic selves. And our deep and authentic selves as human creatures, as human persons, is that which images God. In other words, we reflect God. It is natural for us to be holy, natural for us to be saintly. And we lost some of this by virtue of original sin. So the image of God So what the Eastern Fathers say is that we lost the likeness to God through sin. In other words, we don't act like God anymore. We're not so much like God in the way we function, as it were, the way we exist. But by nature, we still are like God. We still image God. And so we did not lose the image, but that image was tarnished or kind of, in a sense, veiled. And so the spiritual life becomes one of a journey to uncovering that veil and realizing or rediscovering our true selves. The grace and all that we are to become, all that we were meant to be, is there. It's there in its entirety within us. It's just that it has to, in a sense, be rediscovered. It has to sort of reflower, as it were. It has to bud once again. And that happens by virtue of the ascetical life the disciplines of prayer and fasting, of humility, the gift of tears, the kinds of things that we enter into during Lent. Lent is a journey towards, yes, the honest look at our sinful selves, but more so, and for the purpose of, discovering our true selves. There's a wonderful book, and he's a wonderful writer. He's a Russian Orthodox theologian that can give you a lot of great insights into the Eastern theology, and his name is Paul Evdokimov, and he wrote a book called Woman and the Salvation of the World. And Professor Evdokimov does a very good job of describing these differences and approaches to the concept of the human person, in other words, what we call a theological anthropology. I'm reading from his book, Woman and the Salvation of the World. He says, while positive theology refracts the ineffable mystery of God through the prism of thought, even the angels who are suffused with the trisolar light have no access to the mystery, the hand of Yahweh hides the face which no man can see and live, Exodus chapter 3. To see God's back, Exodus chapter 33, means to contemplate his operations, his energies, never his essence. The distinction between the essence of God and his energies, a fundamental distinction in St. Basil and St. Dionysius, St. John of Damascus, and St. Gregory Palamas, does not concern the simplicity of God, which for the Eastern thinker is not a concept that is subject to the laws of human logic. In himself, God is above any concept of being, and the attributes that are inherent to him in terms of human logic, do not necessarily apply to God and cannot objectify him. Now, that's just the beginning of our unfolding of the theological anthropology of the East as compared with the West. And we're going to continue with this. I know these terms are kind of big and hard, but we're going to explain them when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.
in the 1950s and 60s. Families gathered around their televisions when this theme came on to herald the start of one of the most watched programs of the era. Life is Worth Living with Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Now it's difficult to believe that they were Irish angels and not in a fight, but that is the fact. Truly the first tele-evangelist, Bishop Sheen taught the gospel with wit, grace, and intellect, and an uncanny sense of how to transcend the medium and touch the viewer. To celebrate the life and legacy of Archbishop Sheen through his service in the Roman and Byzantine Catholic churches, see the multimedia exhibit. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, a voice crying out on the airwaves, Monday, February 1st through Friday, March 5th, at the Bishop Emil J. Mahalik Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center, 1900 Carlton Road, Parma, Ohio. For complete information, go to parma.org. That's parma.org. God love you. I am Father Thomas Loya, and I invite you to Tabor Life Presents Married Life, as you always dreamed it could be, a retreat for married couples. Friday through Sunday, March 12th through the 14th, at the Scenic Carriage House at the Harbor Bed and Breakfast on the shores of Lake Michigan in the charming town of South Haven, Michigan. You may ask, how can this retreat help my marriage? This retreat will be an immersion into the why behind our being a man and woman, and therefore what our legitimate needs are as man and woman. And this and only this is what leads us to that intimacy that all couples ultimately desire. Married life as you always dreamed it could be. In this incredibly romantic setting, your $500 investment per couple includes champagne breakfast, meals, except dinner on Saturday, snacks, and the presentation. For complete details and registration, go to TaborLife.org. That's T-A-B-O-R Life.org. Married life as you always dreamed it could be. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Lincoln Chamber Productions presents... Transfiguration, a world premiere by Chicago composer Kevin Allen on Sunday, March 21st at 4.30 p.m. at Notre Dame de Chicago Church at 1334 Flournoy in Chicago. You'll also hear Allen's Concerto for Trumpet and Orchestra with Ross Beecraft, trumpet soloist, plus Handel's Concerto Grosso Opus 3, Number 5, Mozart's Divertimento in D, and Haydn's Symphony Number no. 11. Purchase tickets online at LincolnChamberProductions.org. That's LincolnChamberProductions.org. Or call 815-806-0066. Advanced tickets $20, $15 for seniors and students, children 13 and under $10. Add $5 for tickets at the door. For the world premiere of Kevin Allen's Transfiguration, Sunday, March 21st at 4.30 p.m. at Notre Dame de Chicago Church. Welcome back to A Light of the East. We're looking at the different theological anthropologies of East and West. In other words, how they view the human person, the fall of the human person, and redemption. And that, of course, is what Lent is all about. It's a journey into that entire subject, which is very deep and lots of big terms, I realize. So kind of bear with me, and I'll do the best I can to kind of unpack some of these terms. The main thing to remember today, our point today, is that there's two different emphasis in East and West, which then explains everything that we do or don't do, respectively, with our customs of Lent, our approach to sin, our approach to how we understand grace, how we understand the growth of holiness. These differences are not foundational, in other words, where we are talking about two different things. They're simply differences in emphasis and perspective to arrive at the same place. 
That, of course, is that unity with God, that oneness with God, that holiness. On this note, though, there's something I want to inform you about and invite you to. There's a magnificent service that we pray in our church during the fifth week of Lent. It's also prayed in parts in many Eastern churches and spread out over the first week of Lent. But on the fifth week of Lent, on Thursday, we pray what is this service in its entirety. It's called the service of the St. Andrew of Crete, the great canyon of St. Andrew of Crete. And this is a veritable deep journey into every dimension of Scripture that has anything to do with repentance. For instance, we pray things like this. You have not received the blessing of Shem, O my poor soul. You have not inherited the vast domain of Japheth in the land of forgiveness. Departing from Haran, O my soul, leave behind the land of sin, for the land which flows with immortality, which Abraham received as an inheritance. You have imitated the mother of Ishmael, Hagar, the Egyptian of old, for you have made yourself the slave of your desires and have boasted about what you conceived. You know, O my soul, what the ladder of Jacob, which reached from earth to heaven, Why then have you not ascended the rungs of piety? These are examples of individual verses that are chanted and with a beautiful chant during this canon of St. Andrew of Crete. And after each of these verses, we do what's called a full prostration. In other words, we actually go down to the ground, to the floor with our entire body and come back up. It's even more than a profound bow. The point of this is that it's throwing our entire being into a posture of repentance so that we repent with our whole heart, mind, soul, body. We become it. In it, as it were, repentance. We're inviting you to attend this service. Now, this service goes on for actually several hours, many hours. We don't expect you to come and from the beginning to end. You may, but we don't expect that. In other words, what we're doing is we're inviting you to at least experience it in as much as you'd like. And while you're there, there will also be an opportunity for confession. And if you stay for any part of this service, I guarantee you, you'll start to be moved to want to go to confession. It's a profound, profound journey into the whole phenomenon of repentance. As you walk through the Bible with all the Bible verses, the beautiful chants, the prostrations, and just sort of goes on and on and on. It's just this incredible journey you enter into. That's going to occur at my church on March 18th. That is a Thursday, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We'll start at 7 o'clock, and it's going to go on and on and on, as I mentioned, but that's the nature of it, and you can take part in it as much as you would like. It'd be very educational for those of you who are seminarians, especially, or theologians, or you want to be familiar with the Eastern churches and see some of its vintage services during Lent. So once again, that's March 18th, 7 p.m. at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. You can find out more about that by going to our website, byzantinecatholic.com. A little bit more about this theological anthropology. We mentioned a little bit about the East. Now, the West, and again, we go back to our author, Paul Evdokimov, in his book, Woman and the Salvation of the World. For Western theology, the essence and existence of God are identified with one another. God is the existence that he possesses. This view of God derives logically from the absolute simplicity and consequently prohibits any distinction between essence and energies. From such a perspective, the goal of the Christian life can only be the vision of God according to his essence. Since the compenetration of the divine and human essences is necessarily excluded altogether, which means that deification turns out to be impossible, man is ordained for beatitude and everything tends to the grace of the beatific vision. The Western anthropology is thus essentially a moral anthropology centered on the highest good. It invites us to obtain it through beatifying actions within the workings of the church militant in order to overcome the world. Okay, can you see the difference there? 
There's sort of a what I call this sort of additive dimension in the West. In the East, it's more like a intrinsic dimension. In other words, grace and holiness is always there. It just has to be, in a sense, uncovered or expanded. It grows in what we call deification of the word theosis. Our author continues, in the East, theosis, the deified status of the human being, his or her spiritualization through the divine energies, results from the nature of those energies, which allows them to emerge in a place which is suited to their presence and to transmute it into such a presence. Thus, Eastern anthropology is not moral, but ontological is the ontology of deification. It is centered not on overcoming this world, but on seizing the kingdom of God, on the inner transformation of the world into the kingdom, on the world's gradual illumination through the divine energies. The church, then, is viewed as the place where this metamorphosis occurs through worship and the sacraments and is revealed as being essentially Eucharistic. The manifestation of divine life in human reality, the epiphany the icon of the heavenly reality. In this dimension, as the praying church, the church blesses and sanctifies more than she teaches. You heard this word energy repeated. This would correspond in the East to what the West would refer to as grace. In other words, that which comes out from God, that touches us. But we cannot know God in his essence, according to Eastern theology. Think of it as the sun. You can't go to the center of the sun. You'll be consumed. But we can bask in that which extends out from the sun, which is part of the same substance of the sun, but it's not the essence of the sun. It's something like that in Eastern theology. And so our process of holiness is called a process of deification or theosis, and the rigors of Lent are part of our journey towards that theosis, that rediscovery of our true humanness. I'd like to conclude our program today by inviting you to listen once again to the St. Nicholas Byzantine Catholic Parish Choir of Barberton, Ohio, as they sing once again one of the hallmark chants of the Byzantine Church from the season of Lent, the beautiful moving song, Now Do I Go to the Cross. Oh.
Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years.